All right. You tell me when to hit start stream. We're recording, so. Oh, so hit start stream now. Yeah, do it. All right, you tell me when to start singing She's So High. Because she's so high. I thought you were going to get in there with harmony. Yeah. For Aphrodite. That song really did it. Welcome to episode 251 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Michaels. <laughs> and I'm Nick Gunning. Did you forget yeah. for a minute there? There was a beat. There was a beat uh, where I thought did I maybe you didn't who I know. Was? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I'm like, there is something after there? No. 250 plus episodes, and I still don't I have it down pat. I know, but but I gotta I gotta give you hats off because we stopped saying recorded at the David A. Hill Public Library. <laughs> and yeah. every time I can hear the hitch in your voice. But but you did it. You do it. Every time for us. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. That's good. I just had a, a f- couple of Facebook memories came up that concerned you. Uh, apparently, we saw Ringo Starr and his all-star band mm, and, yes. and Kevin Smith up at uh, Helium in Buffalo on the same day, a couple years apart. So it's a good, wow. day, good day for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And know. now we're doing episode 251. Yeah. Yeah. So. Exciting times. Definitely yeah. exciting times. Uh, yeah. Speaking of concerts, I was supposed to be at a Vampire Weekend concert. Mm. Corona canceled. Not going. Yeah. So that's a shame. We were, we were looking forward to seeing Matchbox 20 and... Uh, the wallflowers do yeah. their reunion joint tour together yeah, it was yeah. gonna be sweet no not happening no so excited for it mm-hmm, i know i know you were so. well we've got a light show for you today folks we uh we felt like just doing something super chill and we're gonna be talking about our good friend the green lantern um, is that a play also on the fact that they use light as a weapon oh yes Yes, all the different all the different colors of the spectrum. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Green Lantern, comic book character, DC Comics character, Green Lantern. Uh, Occasional turns, comic book character. Turns 80 this month, so we've got a special off-the-books uh, episode that we did a while back that, that we're going to mm-hmm. be putting out a little later this month. And today we're going to be focusing on uh, Eric's favorite Green Lantern, yeah. Jon Stewart. Wow. So I would say Hal has not aged well okay. physically. He's kind of he a silver he's, fox. He's got the gray yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, he's got the gray hair. Yeah. Kyle, I mean, he's he's kind of leaned into his 40s pretty well. But he's John, so stuck in the 90s, right? Yeah, that's true. John looks great. I think we can all agree that Guy Gardner has really uh, physically, he's he's gone downhill. He he. He just punished his body for his entire life. And he now was doing to... all right. When Guy was yeah. a Red Lantern, I thought, yeah, he's pulling yeah. this off. But yeah. I know what you mean overall. Yeah, it, when, when you start, I mean, all the chemicals that Guy Gardner has, you know, sure. in, introduced to his body. Sure. There's only so much a ring of uh, Oa can do. Absolutely. So, 80 Absolutely. years on, some of them are looking better than others. That's true. So we're going to be talking a little uh, a little John Stewart and Green Lantern. I, I'm looking forward to their – DC's putting out a special – 80th anniversary thing much like they did with the with the uh, robin's 80th anniversary a few weeks back so i'm pre-ordering mine i'm looking forward to oh, reading they're it. all turning 80 at the same time DC i know just out. i know yeah we just had catwoman turning 80 oh you're not yeah. supposed to sorry catwoman yeah. aging gracefully uh mm-hmm. lot lots of different things lots of different yeah. things going on but green lantern yeah, is I think today marvel like there's years between a lot of the characters yeah Whereas yep. DC is just like, nope, this weekend too. Yeah, Green so. Lantern has a has a long and storied history. So uh, yeah, we didn't even talk about Alan Scott and that aging. I know, I know, that's true. That's like, he's doing great. He looks yeah. great. Look, yeah. looking fit. He looks better uh, than Jake Eric. Yes, he contemporary. does. He certainly does. He certainly does. I remember in the uh, John Davy episode where you said that uh, <laughs> Alan Scott and Jake Eric were going to come and beat him up. 
<laughs> if they if they didn't stop uh, if they didn't stop publishing Captain Marvel. Yeah, exactly. They were like, yep. listen, buddy. <laughs> yep, they were gonna come a call and. If you're still listening to this podcast, you'll you'll be excited to know that over on SoundCloud.com slash all the books, we have a special playlist curated. So if you like these DC Comics themed episodes, we've got a whole playlist for you that has all of the spotlights. We have a special one with all the interviews. We have a Marvel spotlight, all sorts of things. If you don't like the comic book episodes, we'll yeah. talk about other things leading up to it. How about that? Yeah. We, so. we talk about books occasionally. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. a good attitude. It's a good attitude to have. Yeah. All right. Uh, shall we crack open the books? See where we are with the, with the old bookmarks? That was more of a creak. Yeah, it was a creaky book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like like Name it of the says, Wind because you yeah, took so long yeah. to actually finish it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's called the uh, the Book of Life. Okay, I got it from a mummy's tomb. Oh, you should not have taken that. You should no, not it's have okay. Taken By Mister a Mister uh, Imhotep. Oh, that's. Uh, do you remember when uh, Tom Cruise did that mummy movie with Russell Crowe that was supposed to be the start of their dark universe? And then yeah. they, then they were like, no, no, no. Yeah, I did hear that on on the success of the Invisible Man, they are doing a Wolf Man with Ryan Gosling. Have you heard this? Yeah, but Ryan Gosling is like. He's borderline box office poison. That's true. He he is not a star that like people. I guess I could just say he's not a star, but he's not an actor like that gets people in seats the way it's that true. like his fans think. Like I, I like seeing him and stuff, but he's not like Ryan Gosling, the Wolfman. Nobody's going to see it. My son and I have been watching a very young Ryan Gosling in the uh, old show <laughs> Young Hercules. That's yes, been fun. He's he's a fresh little baby in he that is. show. He's very young in that show. Yeah. Uh, Learning to tie his shoes, do the bunny loop. Yeah, you got it. I finished (laughs) some stuff over the week here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to cut down the amount of comics that I've read because, again, while we're stuck in this chaos... You're not going to stop reading comics, but you're just going to stop stop. I'm just not going to tell you all of them because I've been in a stretch where I just have not been able to sink into a book very well. So I've been reading a lot of comics. But this is the, we don't talk about what we're reading except when we're doing this because of the podcast. Yeah. So this is the only time I can find out what you're reading and what you think of them. That's true. Okay. Well, hmm. all right. Well, maybe I'll give you a a broad overview then. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I finished uh, Toni Morrison's novel, God Help the Child. So this was really good. The only thing I'd read of hers before, as I mentioned last week, was Song of Solomon. And I much preferred this one. She doesn't write a lot of things that are set uh, contemporary a lot of them mm-hmm. are, are historic fiction um but this this i really liked we were we were following one primary character named bride but we also saw things from a lot of different perspectives so occasionally the narrator would shift uh but overall i thought it was a really engaging book and her reading of it was excellent i think that really elevated it for me because she just she nailed it mm-hmm. um then i i read some i read some comic books uh, last week i was talking about cyborg i was finishing up the dc rebirth era of cyborg Yes. And it was canceled right when uh, Kevin Graveau took over the title, and he only got two issues in there, but they were really intriguing. So I was checking to see what else he'd written, and he wrote a series for Marvel called Blue Marvel. Are you familiar with this? Mm. It's an ongoing... Well, no, it's not an ongoing. It's it's more of a... I think it's a five-issue series. From 2008. 2008. No, I would be in college when uh, okay. the Blue Marvel was showing up. Well, it's set contemporary, and it's set during the Kennedy administration. So in the flashbacks, Blue Marvel is coming on the scene, and he's this like beloved superhero who saves the world. Uh, and then they find out under the mask that he's black, and there's a big uh, blowback for that. And 
Mm. The government steps in and offer, offers him the, the presidential medal of freedom and then says, people are not ready for a black superhero, so you got to cut this out. And he mm. does. He walks away. In the present day, the Avengers are facing the same threat that he faced in the 60s. So Tony Stark and the others are trying to find whatever happened to him and bring him back in and figure out, like, what happened. So mm -hmm. it was interesting. It was just a good story, for one. But I, I really liked the the parallels with, with history, too. And I, I was really intrigued by it. I would have read more. But it was, like I said, it was I like guess five, five issues. I have read stuff with him in it because he was in Bendis' Avengers that I read. Okay. I started Uncanny X-Men, the stuff that takes place right after Schism, the Cyclops team. Yes, the uh, Keith Griffin. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm not a fan of it so far, but you you were mm. you were a big into the series, weren't you? I think you five stars. Yeah, it's just it's just weird and uh, it is weird. Fun. I like that writer. I like his dialogue, but the, yes, it's it's weird stuff. It's so like I was not prepared for just how sci-fi it is, and I mm. usually don't like sci-fi X-Men stories as a rule. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But so far, I'm not loving it. But I am seeing the threads of getting into the big Avengers versus X-Men. Well, yeah, it's it's a series you have to read. Yeah. It important stuff from Avengers versus X Men come into Uncanny X Men, yeah. so um, and for Cyclops's character and some of those other characters. I mean, I, I don't want to let you down, so I'll, I'll tell you a couple others that I read real quick. I mm -hmm. I read a, few, a little bit more of uh, Red Hulk. Uh -huh. that was not great. It was cool because it, it had all of the like 70s Marvel, mon like Werewolf by Night and all that stuff. Mm, sure. Were all in it, so that was kind of cool, but not mm -hmm. a great thing. I read Avengers mm. 1959, which is the uh, like Nick yeah, Fury's 50s Avengers team. Such a weird yeah. team that I didn't particularly like it. And I read volume five of DC's Rebirth Justice League, and I have hated the first four volumes. This was a time travel story, and I actually liked it quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know. I'm currently reading, finally, because I've had this since it came out for, you know, over a month now. But I'm finally reading Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the new Hunger Games prequel by hey, Suzanne Collins. You did and it. I'm, I'm only about 100 pages in, but I'm really liking it, actually. It, only. it feels like, well, it's like 500 pages, you know. Oh, it doesn't feel okay. like it's too far. Um, mm -hmm. It actually does feel like the Hunger Games. And I wasn't sure because it's been a long time and it's a prequel mm -hmm. and, you know, it's it's not characters that you're used to or at least not the fashion you're seeing you used to seeing those characters in. But, no, it feels like the Hunger Games. It's really engaging. I've just been very slow reading lately. Right. Uh, and then finally for my uh, book club, I'm doing one called Devil's Heart by Carmen Ooh. Carter. This is a Star Trek The Next Generation novel. Mm -hmm. And I am listening to it on audiobook cassette. Oh. Yep. And what? Uh, not my R2-D2 uh, Walkman. No, this is just a tabletop cassette player. Takes a lot of batteries. Less than a, less than a Game Gear, but still a lot of batteries. So far, so good. Read by Gates McFadden, who plays uh, Beverly Crusher. Hmm. I finished a show on Netflix called Ragnarok. I think you should watch it. I think you'd dig it. Yeah, yeah I've seen that showing up on, like, the hits or mm -hmm. whatever they call popular and everything six episodes uh it's in norwegian set in norway and it's about i guess the second coming of thor and like the return of the giants and things from mm -hmm. north mythology it's a very yeah <laughs> it's it walks this weird line of where i would say like 90 percent of it is this very like understated moody kind of show and that other 10 percent mm -hmm. it just goes crazy <laughs> so we watched the last couple last night and mm. we also finished our rewatch of the classic three seasons of Arrested Development. And now uh, we're going to uh, 
dip our toes into the new stuff. I had seen... Yeah, I haven't watched season five. I haven't watched season five either, and I haven't seen, like, the new season four remix that they did. Mm. But I had no nothing positive to say about season four. So, we'll see. Yeah. Well, David Cross's character, Tobias. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is it Tobias? Yeah, Tobias yeah. was pretty funny in that one. Yeah, well, him His doing, story stayed doing pretty, the, fan- the whole Fantastic Four musical. Yeah. But yeah, it it was also few and far between. I mostly just didn't find it funny, you know? No, no, it was dark and depressing. Yeah, it was. I mean, I like those actors and I I like the characters. And none of them are together because of the scheduling. Exactly. And (laughs) the thing was, like, we finished it last night and season four picks up immediately after season three, which I think is a very weird thing to do considering the gap. So Mm -hmm. we weren't really intending to sit down and continue watching, but we watched maybe the first five minutes of season four and it's... (laughs) Totally, it just right from the start was like, oh, this is weird. So I will report back once we've finished seasons four and five and let you know what I think. One, I, Fantastic I know two, that you're Fantastic on the three. edge of your seat. <laughs> what about you? Well, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? All right, well, then I read and finished House of X, Powers of X by Jonathan Hickman. This is what it's all been about. You've been, well, try- you've been trying to get to this run. Yes, I have been trying to get to this run so I can see what everybody has been talking about. And here you are. And I've done it. And I gave it four stars because it is, it's a pretty enthralling read. You know, I have to step myself back a little bit and be like, this is different than everything else that's come before. But if it's entertaining, I don't know if everything that comes after this, because this is all set up. So I don't know if everything that comes after this will be as good. I still don't trust Hickman to nail the landing but maybe i'll be wrong someday it's funny because everything about it is like the x-men are gonna be all different and they they mention like all the important events that happened in x-men and they're talking a lot about grant morrison's run and as soon as grant morrison was like and that's the end uh marvel was like okay retcon 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 (laughs) uh just changed you know just went back on everything what years what years was the grant morrison stuff was that like 2000 2003 stuff I think it was 2001 when it started. 2001 to 2003. Okay. So it was like a two-year run. Reading that stuff, there's a lot of interesting sci-fi ideas. It's just, it does balance like all these interesting new ideas that you would like in sci-fi using the established characters and powers and histories in the X-Men. So uh, that's good stuff. However, that means I'm now like caught up because they've only got issues like one and two of the series that came after here. And I picked up X-Men 1 to read after this and i'm like i can't do this i can't go back to a monthly reading schedule with yeah. these uh with this stuff I'm, I'm gonna be taking a break from the new stuff until you know it catches oh, up a bit what are you switching uh, to well <laughs> i did go back and read some uh outliers that were slightly before house of x so i read major x by rob liefeld okay stupid stupidest thing i've ever read <laughs> i read ed piscor's X-Men Grand Design. Okay. Six issues. Two issues a story. So there's uh, like three volumes and each volume is two issues. And basically, it's this weird thing where he's very much like an indie comic book artist. Okay. Uh, So when you're reading it, it's very like small panels and kind of indie comic art in there. And what he's doing is he's trying to streamline all the X-Men history together in one cohesive narrative from the beginning to basically like the end of Chris Claremont's run okay. uh, because there's a lot of retcons in X-Men history. There's a lot of different things in the uh, concepts that maybe didn't land because they got rewritten or all, all this other stuff. So the first volume is interesting because the 60s is probably the part of the X-Men history that feels most disconnected okay. from all of X-Men. 
And so he's like, you know, making things happen on a different timetable. The Phoenix Force is alerted very early on of Gene's presence okay. and all this other stuff. But what happens is once he gets to the Claremont stuff, Chris Claremont was just writing the X-Men for 17 years by mm-hmm. himself. Right. With, I mean, with the artists and everything, putting an in input as well. But, like, he was overseeing it. So once this guy gets to the Chris Claremont stuff, that stuff is already fairly streamlined. So it just becomes kind of like... I don't know. And me having just recently reread a lot of that stuff, it it's just kind of redundant. So you're now just reading it for the art and stuff. It 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 was an interesting experiment that didn't really especially because it's where he stops right before the 90s and you would think you'd want to really streamline a lot of the stuff that happened in the 90s. But the way he do, he does his story, which is a spoiler, so I won't say anything. Okay. It can't do that. Okay. But it's trying to streamline something that then becomes kind of streamlined anyways. Okay. So I read Wolverine Infinity Watch by Gary Duke, and that was stupid. I finished <laughs> uh, Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? I was, I mean, people love this book. Okay. And I thought it was kind of a slog. Oh. I, I thought the story was going to be about the uh, the angel and the demon characters working together to either stop the end of the world or, you know, watch over the, the basically the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to, uh, because that's the thing, that the uh, the Antichrist is being born and the angel and the demon don't want that to happen. They don't okay. want Armageddon to happen because they kind of like Earth the way it is. Mm-hmm. Kept dealing with all these other characters and the I feel like I could write a parody of the dialogue because sometimes it just gets too much. I don't know. It's just, I I didn't really, uh, I didn't like it. Well, if you so. like the concept of that story, might I suggest the 80s film Two of a Kind starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, where God and the devil are trying to decide if the world's going to continue or not. Okay. So or, I mean, the show as well. Oh, sure. But yeah. I don't think Travolta's in the show. Is he? No, he's, he's not. He's not in the sh- no okay. in, in the show. Good Adele angels. No, that's Dazim. Uh... Okay, somebody else. Got it. <laughs> you know what? I read. Uh, I forgot what? to tell you this. I forgot to tell you this. I read uh, Black Lightning. Tony Isabella and mm-hmm. Trevor Von Eden's Black Lightning uh, came out in in seventy seven. This is actually DC's okay. first black character to headline a title. Uh, it's just eleven issues, and I had read some of the later stuff because J M De Mateus wrote a lot of the. Uh, uh, Black Lightning backup stories that appeared later on. So we, when we had him on the show, I read all of his mm-hmm. Black Lightning stuff and really enjoyed it. And it's there on the app now. So uh, I, oh, I read that. Uh, and I actually tried to get Trevor Von Eden, the illustrator for this, co-creator, to be on the show back when we were talking Green Arrow because he illustrated a lot of that uh, Mike Grell run. Uh, okay. And it has such a unique look. But anyway, Black Lightning was a good read. And it was like I got to, um, I think, episode 9 of 11 before I realized, wait, he doesn't have any powers in this. So it was just like hmm. a cool story, and I didn't realize that like the powers came later. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I've only watched maybe the first five or so episodes of the uh, CW Black Lightning, but I really right. like Cress Williams, who recurred on 90210 for a long time, um, uh, yes. in that role. So I might I might get back to that. But uh, I did okay. really enjoy the uh, I did really enjoy the the 70s run. But anyway, back to your book, Mark, buddy. So I haven't started these things, but they are my currently readings. Okay. Uh, in terms of what I'm now doing, I'm going back. I've never read any of the New Mutant comics, except for the oh. stuff that happens in Inferno and Follow okay. the Mutants, uh-huh. uh, like the original one. And then I read the, the stuff where Cable shows up and it starts becoming uh, X-Force and whatnot. So I'm going back. I'm going to start at the beginning with New Mutants and just 
read those hundred issues, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll be kind of I'll be caught up to where I was with my '90s reading of the X Men stuff. To I have read, read some stuff I haven't. I think I've read maybe the first two volumes of like classic mm-hmm. New Mutants. Right. It's decent. It's unusual. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's. it's it's definitely an odd run. Are you doing your? Are you doing this as due diligence for your previously on X Men podcast? Just my due diligence as an X Men reader. As an X Men reader. So, well, and now I'm that blogging. I'm like caught up with the main titles, yeah. the past two decades and stuff, it's really. I mean, there, I've got some gaps in the '90s with some series, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm just gonna cruise through these New Mutants and cool. have read them. Uh, and also, I'm gonna read Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh yeah, we were yeah. just talking about Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. Very so, good book. On Very the new book. classics, right? Yeah, we were. Yep. Yeah. Oh, speaking of past episodes, I have gone back and I have started rewatching Community. I'm on season three. Oh, okay. So I, I kept that. Nice. I, I took my own advice there. Okay, yeah. And I also watched Uncut Gems. Oh, Adam Sandler. Okay. Adam Sandler's new movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not an Adam Sandler movie as you know it. Sure. It's very stressful two hours and 20 minutes of watching a compulsive gambler BS his way through a lot of bad decisions. Okay. As he makes every choice, you just don't believe anything's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it doesn't. It's, uh, yeah, it's not for everybody. Does he... So, um... Though I will say it's probably funnier than Little Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> Does he ever say, how do who? No, he like doesn't. That. He no. doesn't, not even no. once. He is up to 11, though. I tell you what, it's nice to see him put in an effort. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's definitely a performance movie. Like, you're watching it to see his performance because he's, you know like, what? all in. I love Rain Over Me. If we're talking about serious Adam Sandler movies. It's him and Don Cheadle post 9-11 where Adam Sandler's dealing with the loss of his family. And it's just, it's such a great movie. Have you seen it? No, I have not. No. Oh, okay. Well, I recommend it. It's good. Is Don Cheadle an angel? No. Okay. No, Don Cheadle. So the, the plot is Adam Sandler has lost his family in 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 the nine eleven disaster, and mm-hmm. he it just kind of shuts everybody out. And Don Cheadle is like a high school friend, or maybe a college roommate, something uh, like that. They have they have old history together. And they run into each other mm-hmm. and sort of become part of each other's lives again. And you okay. know, it goes on from there. But it's just very good. I made my wife watch it with me, and she was not a mm-hmm. willing, willing participant by any means. But by the end, she was right. like, yeah, you're right. That was good. So, yeah, you know. Good. All right. Well, uh, should we move into some book news? What's on the New York Times bestseller oh, list this week? Right. Yeah, what is on the New York Times we bestseller list? We took a week list? off, so I'm hoping there's uh, some change. There's some mm, You know, uh, it's best not to give it to hope these days. Uh, number 10 is Fair Walk enough. the Wire by David Baldacci. Okay. Uh, the sixth book in the Memory Man series. That's Decker and Jameson investigate a murder in a North Dakota town oh. in a fracking boom. Uh, and remember, we're reading the combined print and ebook fiction, yes. uh, which seems to be probably the best thing to do right now. Yes. Though I have seen uh, multiple bookstores open again. Yeah, so. it's starting. It's beginning. Yeah. Number nine, Wrath of the Poseidon. Clive Cussler and Robin Bussell. So now Clive Cussler is in franchise mode since he passed away yeah, uh, last I, year. I wonder how many how many of these true like collaborative efforts they still have in the can. Yeah, I, I we'll imagine it's going to go like Tom Clancy. Yeah, and it's just going to be probably Clive Cussler is dirt yeah, pick. Yeah, but I but I wonder when that changes when it's going to mm, go from listing yeah. him as an author to listing him as like the, yeah. the, the the name above the fold basically. The 12th book in the Sam and Remy Fargo adventure series, A Kingpin is released from prison, and a final showdown takes place in Greece. The Kingpin? No, not the Kingpin from Daredevil. Okay. No, not him. Okay. Uh, Number eight, American Dirt by Janine Cummings. A bookseller flees Mexico for the United States with her son while pursued by the head of a drug cartel. Number seven is Normal People by Sally Rooney. 
the connection between a high school star athlete and a loner ebbs and flows when they go to Trinity College in Dublin. It's always uh, interesting when we do this list because that certainly wouldn't be on the uh, you know the 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 top hardcover bestsellers, but I think this list is usually more reflective of what people are watching and doing and and what the trends are. This this is a little bit more in touch, wouldn't you say? Maybe. Uh, number six, Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner. I just don't feel I, right I, saying it. I don't by Jennifer know. Weiner. I think, you know what? I Me think it's Weiner. Me making a big deal out of it I is not it, doing her any favors. So. I think it's Weiner. I think All it right, is Weiner. Jennifer Weiner. Yeah. Daphne Berg's former best friend asked her to be the maid of honor at her wedding in Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. They're going to have some lobster. I worked with somebody who's last some name, whose last name was Butts. Uh-huh. They said it was Boots, but... It wasn't. Was it wasn't. It's buds. Sorry, everybody. Oh, you know. Number five, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, an artist upends a quiet town outside Cleveland. Still haven't watched this show. A quiet town in Ohio. That's Ohio is a uh, pass-through state. It certainly is. It takes you eight <laughs> hours to do it. <laughs> I, I hope I hope you like Hardee's. <laughs> Number Ohio. four. Camino Wins by John Grisham. The line between fact and fiction becomes blurred. Uh, when I'm, an never, author I'm never going to get this book. I'm dead after a hurricane hits Camino Island. Are you on the list? I am on the list. You I am on the list. reset the list. I know. I did I did my hold for this so early. Sorry. But still, yeah. I'm like, you know. I, actually, that's how I got Good Omens and Daisy Jones. I got them from Overdrive. Nice. Uh, and Daisy Jones was checked out, but I got it like the next day. Cool. But then I had to read Good Omens to make sure I could read the other one. Sure. Number three, Where the Crawdads Sing in a Quiet Town in North Carolina Coast in 19... 19- you know, I'm just going to say, A Woman Lives Alone in a Marsh, Murder Suspect. I'm done mm-hmm. putting a time and place to this. Yeah, well, we just talked okay. about this book last week, too, with our contemporary yeah. classics. Mm-hmm. Two, new this week, we did it. Fair Warning by Michael Connolly, the third book in the Jack McAvery series. A reporter yeah. cracks a killer who uses genetic data to pick his victim. This is one I read. I want to say the first one is called The Poet. And I picked this up like years ago. And it Mm -hmm. was just a standalone. But then uh, uh, that character, I think it's Jack McAvoy, isn't it? But that character was brought into the Harry Bosch world. So now it's he exists in the same world as as, uh, the Lincoln lawyer or uh, Harry Bosch. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, and number one is also new this week, Hideaway by Nora Roberts. Mm, yep. A child yep. star escapes her abductors, gathers herself in Western Ireland, and returns to Hollywood. This is about Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin? Oh, jeez. <laughs> is that who this is? I don't think it is. Wow. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's number one, Nora Roberts. Speaking of child stars, I kind of forgot that, uh, oh, what, what is her name? May Whitman, Whitman, May Whitman. I kind of forgot that she was in Arrested Development, and then she shows up. Well, you know, she just kind of disappears in the background. Her? Eric, do you remember the Green Lantern Pledge? Can you do it from memory? Uh, In Brightest Day and Blackest Night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let all who worship? Yes. Evil's might, beware my power, Green Lantern's light. All right. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Green Lantern, who is turning 80 years young. Mm -hmm. I hate hate when people say that. I hate when people really? say that. I hate when people say that or when they are where it's like a very elderly person and they're like, how are you today, young man? I don't like mm-hmm. that. I don't Do like you that. like when somebody on a very hot day asks you, how about this heat? I don't like that, nor do I like when you're leaving a buffet and they're like, oh, I think we love some for you. I don't like that. Yeah, you don't like that. Okay. No. What about when somebody, what about when you've driven from a warm place and now you're yeah. in a colder place and they say, did you bring any of that heat with you? No, I don't. <laughs> 
I okay. I don't like that either. Nor uh, when when you're trying to uh, go through a door and someone holds it, they say, you can tip me, just don't tip me over. Mm-hmm. I don't sure. like that either. Yeah. Are they working like either. Yeah, or working exactly. hard? Yeah. Exactly. You, you, okay. I, look, I, I'm a dad, <laughs> but I, I, I don't go for dad jokes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Uh-huh. Not yet. Yeah, you don't go for that. Anyway, thank you for the recitation of the Green Lantern uh, oath. Yeah, no problem. As we mentioned, Green Lantern, the character, Green Lantern, the franchise, turning 80 <laughs> years old this year, right? Uh, yeah. which DC's commemorating with the special collection. Uh, so many- when we say turning 80, does yeah. that mean Alan Scott first appeared 80 years ago? Yes, I- I'll get okay. into it. I've got a nice little timeline okay. for us. But yes, the-, the concept of Green Lantern is 80. So mm-hmm. much like with the with the Robin episode where really it was Dick Grayson who was turning 80. We kind of took a look at all of them. But um, the Robins. Way back when, when the, it seems like five years ago, when the quarantine began, um, mm. we did a special, uh, just Twitch exclusive, where um, I reviewed the movie Green Lantern First Flights, and we talked about some of our favorite Green Lanterns. So that's going to be coming out a little later in the month, in conjunction with the special collection that uh, DC Comics is putting out. Right now, today, we're going to focus primarily on Green Lantern John Stewart, because I know, Eric, that's, that's the Green Lantern of your heart. But uh, let me let me give you just a little rundown of some Green Lantern history. <laughs> okay. So the Golden Age Green Lantern, who was Alan Scott, was created by Martin Nodell. It appeared in June, the June issue, uh, back in 1940. All American Comics number 16. Uh, the character appeared regularly throughout the 1940s, but fell by the wayside post-World War II. A lot of the characters from that time were really surging in popularity. Then World War II hit, and after that, you know, they, they couldn't move a, a book to save their lives outside of Yeah, it was just, know. yeah, I mean, it was a power fantasy during, yeah. you know, World War II. And, like, because they also would send their heroes overseas to war. Yeah. Like, they'd be helping the troops and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's where Captain America was. Exactly. And yeah, then World War II en- ended and no one big could give a crap about superheroes a big slump. for so, so long. Yeah. So a lot of the characters, like like Green Lantern, like The Flash, uh, a lot of them were, were reimagined decades later. A lot of them just disappeared never to be heard from again. A mm-hmm. few made the transition. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, uh, a few managed to get over the hurdle. Green Lantern was not one of them. He appeared regularly for about 10 years, uh, but his mm-hmm. last Golden Age appearance was in 1951 in All-Star Comics, and then right. Radio Silence. In 1959, the, the longtime editor of DC Comics, Julius Schwartz, who we talked about with Elliot S. Magan, told some good stories about Julius Schwartz, mm-hmm. so go back and listen to that episode to hear about that. He liked the idea of bringing some of these Silver Age characters back, and they had just had success with the new Flash, uh, Barry Allen. Uh, in mm-hmm. the mold of the old Jay Garrick. So they said, hey, you know, let's bring back Green Lantern and imagine him more as a sci-fi character because the Alan Scott character is not sci-fi heavy. He's a little bit more mystic where his power comes from. Yeah, yeah. So, like his weakness is, his weakness is wood. Wood, yeah. Yeah, we're, I mean, yellow is also kind of a funny, like, weakness. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's so different. <laughs> so the, the early the early days of the Hell That's Jordan... not a log cabin, is it? <laughs> Pretty much. That's right. that's pretty much. You've just described the golden age of comics. Uh, okay. But the <laughs> the early Hal Jordan books, I think you should read these, by the way. And they're out in Green Lantern archives, of course, on the DC app. But they are very, very sci-fi. Very 
Flash Gordon mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi, and they're a lot of fun. Right, yeah, I know the Guy Gardner like appearance is like always like we have a mirror that can look into alternate yeah possibilities exactly. and stuff, and yep. it's just kind of like it, kind of like how Superman was anything you wanted to do, you just did it in Pretty Superman. Much. Yeah, so, like Green Lantern was yep. doing that. Yeah, and then next week everything is just completely forgotten and, and mm-hmm. rebooted. Yeah, but so the Alan Scott version of of Green Lantern faded away. And in the 70s, he started sort of popping back up when they were they were reviving some of these 40 car- 40s characters, uh, putting these in an alternate universe. So Earth 2 is sort of how that, that became known. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2012, the Alan Scott character was brought back and revived for the DC's massive relaunch of books under the New 52 banner. Uh, he was headlining the book Earth 2 and became yes, one of yes. DC Comics' first openly gay characters. Yeah. So Hal Jordan took over the the green lantern mantle uh he mm-hmm. first appeared hal first appeared in showcase number 22 in 1959 written by john broom and illustrated by gil kane i mean arguably i would say hal is sort of the torchbearer for green lantern right i mean wouldn't you say in the grand scheme of things hal is the one i mean that's definitely he's definitely the one that dc the same way they relaunch for like barry allen even though a lot of people grew up reading wally yeah it's yeah every every time uh you sort of default to to a yeah. jordan but i don't really think he's the most popular green lantern at least not for... maybe with like comic book readers I like suppose. especially like legacy readers and everything but i mean uh yeah i mean he's not the one that i knew yeah. growing up as a kid as green lantern even though i knew of him mm-hmm. but you had to read older stuff yeah. to get that and i just wasn't so obviously i mean yeah. hal's hal's been in in at least in the comic book world since 1959 and mm-hmm. there was a long time where he was a villainous character when he was parallax that was kind of retconned later as to he was taken over by parallax yeah he did a, a pretty iconic run in the 70s uh written by denny o'neill illustrated by neil adams the green arrow green lantern run which mm-hmm. is uh just it's very very serious that was when dc was like we're gonna do serious issues and uh this is where green arrow sidekick speedy is like on heroin and stuff it it got heavy Mm -hmm. uh and then the 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 roster of green lantern characters would continue to expand uh, including guy gardner as you mentioned uh and then uh john stewart so the, Mm -hmm. the topic for today is john stewart uh and let me give you a little bit of background on him that eric then uh, you got to take it away because as we talked about in our TV recommendations, the DC animated universe is your preferred. I did recommend that. You yeah. Did, is your preferred yeah. DC era, your DC That's universe. Probably true, so yeah. anyway, John Stewart was created by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams in the pages of the, of the green arrow, green lantern arc. Uh, it was yes. requested by longtime editor, Julia Schwartz, who wanted the roster to be more inclusive for readers. So John Stewart debuted in 1971 uh, in Green Lantern, Green Arrow number 87. Man, you say that, and like I read that whole Green Arrow, Green Lantern road trip book, but I I feel like I remember nothing outside of the my my sidekick is a junkie yeah. storyline. Well, that era has I mean those those issues seem to bounce between doing really street level social issues yeah. and crazy yeah. like space battles yeah. so it's you know what maybe I did. Ah, i'm getting recollections it's been a while anyways okay. continue yes now i had to double check on this but i read this in a few places uh john stewart was dc comics first black superhero did you know that in 1971 yeah i know you know i mean marvel isn't much better yeah. but 
That's crazy. But I, I had to double check that fact. But it, but it appears to be true. Um, outside of maybe a one-off character here or there, but he he debuted in 1971, well ahead of Black Lightning, who debuted in 1977, and Cyborg, who wasn't until 1980. Mm-hmm. John Stewart became the lead character of the Green Lantern series in issue 182. And mm-hmm. then was retained as the lead character of the Green Lantern series as Steve Englehart came in to write sure. the series, as we as we discussed in our special uh, interview yeah. with Steve Englehart. We yeah. were talking to Steve Englehart about Batman, but I couldn't resist some Green Lantern questions in there. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, find that yep. issue. Englehart was given the option of bringing Hal back. And he said, no, I think Jon Stewart's more interesting. And having read those mm-hmm. stories, I think it was the absolute right call because Hal... By right. this point, was a couple decades into, well, I guess about 15 years or so yeah. into his run. He was so, like, all his romance with Carol Ferris and his stuff with yeah. the Guardians, it was just played out. Whereas Jon Stewart mm-hmm. comes in with a different perspective and is a very different type of character. And the book really gets a lot of momentum, so much so that uh, when it hits episode 200, it's rebranded as the Green Lantern Corps with uh, John mm-hmm. Stewart taking the lead, and we see characters like Kilowog and Guy Gardner coming in right. to do that. Uh, now, John John Stewart, because uh, Hal is uh, in the Air Force. Yeah, but John Stewart's a Marine. Yeah, is that that's in the that's in the comics? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember uh, what branch he was. Mm-hmm. So still coming from the military, but yeah. uh, you know a different different spot there. Yeah, yeah. So so Hal is just like off doing his own thing, and in the book. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he is you know, the Hal, Lantern of the Green Lantern title. So Hal's Air Force connections always just boil down to he likes flying. Yeah, but I feel like John, being a former Marine, is really part of the character. Oh, definitely. You know, you, especially it, because Hal's played the same way like Tom Cruise is in in Top Gun, just the kind of like he's cocky. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, for some reason he doesn't listen to authority, but he joined the military. Yeah. Whereas John Stewart has been a Marine. He's out of the Marines now, but he's got that Marine lifestyle down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think you yeah. see that too in the way that he, where, whereas Hal is doing things like, you know, making a giant baseball glove to stop something <laughs> or, you know, big yeah. goofy things. John Stewart's are, are always very, um, very orderly. You know, they're like geometric shapes and like they do what they're yeah. supposed to do, but you know, he's not going to make a giant clown car to, to stop a train or something. Whereas Hal would. Yes, Hal would. <laughs> Uh, John Stewart would go on to be the main protagonist of the Green Lantern miniseries, Green Lantern Mosaic, which was spun off into its own ongoing title, which frustratingly enough is not collected ever and is not on the app. So if you want to read this series, which I do, you have to track mm-hmm. down single issues. Hmm. Uh, he would go on to share the lead with Guy Gardner for the Green Lantern Corps and would eventually take over as the main protagonist of that. During the Rebirth era he goes on to become the leader of all of the Green Lantern Corps. At the place where I'm up to in, in the Rebirth era, Jon Stewart is in charge of the whole Corps. Okay. During the War of the Green Lanterns arc, he temporarily becomes an Indigo Lantern, wields that ring uh, in conjunction Indigo is what? Ring. Hope? Not hope. It's compassion. Hope, uh, and it's compassion. A, I feel like every time the Indigo Tribe is written, the author's like, maybe this is what they do. Because it's yeah, that there. was definitely Jeff Johns running out of colors in the rainbow yes. and feelings and emotions. Yep. <laughs> it was definitely like, well, I've already done love and hope. What else do people have? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's more colors in the spectrum? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, he became probably the most... Did you ever add brown to your rainbow when you were a kid? I whatever colors I had, I was not I was not tied into yeah. what the official yeah, I would rainbow t- colors. Yeah. Are. 
yeah, yeah. there was always like, well, this doesn't make sense. Obviously, yeah. I should keep going. Yeah, I didn't understand keep, how keep adding worked. more. You know what? <laughs> I still don't. John Stewart became the most <laughs> prominent Green Lantern for many years, and probably for people. Eric's age and, and slightly younger, slightly older, uh, John Stewart mm-hmm. is the primary Green Lantern because of the DC Animated Universe, where he was voiced by Phil Lamar for the series Justice League, its follow-up series Justice League Unlimited. He also voiced the character in Static Shock, the Injustice mm-hmm. Games, and more recently in the film Superman Red Sun. Huh. In CW's Arrowverse, it is strongly implied, strongly implied, that David Ramsey's character John Diggle is, in fact, John Stewart. Yeah. You don't like that? I don't know. I just, if he was, just name him that. <laughs> well. It's you, how I feel. Do you want me to tell I, you? I'm not caught up. No, don't, okay. don't worry about it. I'll okay. catch up. All right. Yeah, that was a thing that a lot of people were speculating. I think even back in season one before Arrow went more. There's a lot uh, of hints. Comic-y. There's a lot yeah. of hints there. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you meet his God, family. I'm so sick of him and Lila and yeah. the... Cadmus and just shut yeah, up. Yeah, the Arrowverse. So done gets, with you two arguing about this. Arrowverse gets a little rough, but anyway, let's talk about the the DC animated universe. And your, <laughs> let me ask you this: What was your introduction to Green Lantern? You know, I don't know when it was. Superman, the animated series, okay. uh, during the '90s, they had a Green Lantern episode first. But it's Hal, was, right? It, no, it's Guy. I mean, it's not Guy. I'm sorry. It's Kyle. It's Kyle oh, Rayner. Well, that makes the, sense. Yeah, and it's just—I don't know if it's a two-parter, but it's just there. He's—he's—he doesn't show up again in Superman, but it's basically—I mean, the—the the people in charge of the Superman episode have, you know, uh, gone on to say that episode doesn't work and Superman shouldn't be anywhere near the Green Lantern origin. And if I remember right, it is very much just Hal's origin mm. with Kyle. Okay, and it just—it just didn't work and. Kyle's fine. I mean, he he's an artist, but uh, not to get too it, off topic. That's kind of their deal with Aquaman in that series too, right? It doesn't really gel. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was a fun episode, yeah. but I don't think he ever came back. But anyways, Kyle, I remember watching it as a kid, and it left zero impression on me. Okay. Um, and yeah, and so that was it. And then when they launched um, Justice League in gosh, two thousand one, two thousand two. Somewhere around there, after um, they were winding down the Batman, Superman, and Batman Beyond shows, mm-hmm. they had chosen John Stewart, and I think they chose John Stewart because they felt he was more interesting, and maybe also to you know other. If they didn't, it would just be seven white people. Yeah. So I think they were very intent on picking John Stewart for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I think comic book wise too, Hal in like late '90s was also kind of like. I think he was still dead. Not a good, yeah, yeah, not, dead, not no, in the public he, mind. He, Hal, Hal Jordan, after he was parallaxed and was killed, he became the Spectre. Yeah. And so I think that was still his state there, too. A lot too. of confusing things. Yeah. Um, it just made sense all around to use Jon Stewart. Yeah. You know. And uh, so that would be probably my first real, because even at this point, I don't know how many DC comics I've read, and I certainly wasn't reading any Green Lantern. So that was like, the first reel on a regular basis seeing okay. the Green Lanterns. That the second episode, gosh, it, I think it was the second episode because they have their three-parter premiere of Justice League, which is them fighting the White Martians and forming a team and everything. And uh, like that's fun. But the Manhunters come to arrest John Stewart mm-hmm. because, and they're still working for the Guardians because apparently he blew up a planet early in his career, and so he's coming to trial. And this was like my first time seeing 
Oa, seeing these Manhunter robots, okay. seeing Jon Stewart hearing the Green Lantern oath, seeing other Green Lanterns. And it was like, I remember that was just like such a cool episode because I didn't know anything about this stuff. So you were familiar with the Green Lantern concept, but you weren't, yeah. you weren't thrown by the fact that it was Jon Stewart instead of another Green Lantern? Yeah, you know, I feel like I was more familiar with the concept of a power ring before okay. I was ever familiar with the character Green Lantern. Okay. I'm trying to remember, I mean, everything for me, I feel like with DC Comics, all roads lead back to Super Friends, but it right. was kind of a tie between that and the Superpowers, Kenner's Superpowers action figure line. I know that I had the Green the Green Lantern, and the carrying case had a special compartment for each person, and in that, it had a little sticker that has the origin mm-hmm. of each of the characters, so I know ah. that that was how I became aware of most of the origins of, of the characters. Um, I remember mm-hmm. Guy, Guy Gardner, very much from when I was a little kid. And mm-hmm. Kyle was like the hip, cool Green Lantern. In the 90s, yeah. When I was like 12 or 13. Um, right. But I was definitely aware of Jon Stewart and had read stories with the whole core in it and was familiar. I, re- I remember mm-hmm. some single issues that I still have. Yeah. Um, so when Justice League started, I wasn't like, whoa, who's this? Uh, because Green Lantern at that point had not really been in anything since limited appearances in super friends like decades earlier so mm-hmm. green lantern to me was just kind of like a a dead character like he might as well have been adam strange you know what i mean right like it just wasn't yeah. it wasn't a big deal so justice league the animated series did air november 17th 2001 uh and I, I i did watch that so then yeah the second episodes they did the second two-parter was the in blackest night mm-hmm. uh john stewart story uh, November 19th, 2001. I remember watching that. Yep. And the, they were two-parters because they were 30 minutes long. For the first season, they would air them one part every week. It was okay. so frustrating. Yeah. They, they changed that with uh, season two where they would air the two-parters together. But yeah, I remember watching the In Blackest Night episode and be like, I have to wait another week? Mm-hmm. A lot of thanks goes to Steve Englehart for retaining Jon Stewart as, as a primary character. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, he used he used Hot Girl a lot too in his stuff. So I think the yeah. the Justice League shows owe a lot to to Steve Englehart's writing. But I think John Stewart in particular, like the the prominence of that character, is is largely mm-hmm. because of that. But one of the things that I really appreciated about w- that was that they didn't just like call him John Stewart, but give him Hal's origin or something like that, which is something they'd done with a lot of other characters in, yeah. in that thing. I mean, they really took the time to say, no, this is. This is the John Stewart character, and he is pretty true to the way that he's portrayed in the comics mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I like that they I like that they did that, and I think it is a better I think it is a better counterpoint to that team that they put together too, because yeah. you know you have a lot of old stuff with the uh, with the Barry Allen Flash and the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, where they're both just kind of like cocky mm-hmm. guys running around having fun. Yeah, but I think using the is it wally is it wally west who's it's, the flash? yeah it's wally west who's okay. the flash in the justice league and yeah he's he's like the jokester character yeah. the funny comedic uh yeah. character and yeah they 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 still pair him up that's also in the first yeah. season the brave and the bold episode yeah. i think is like the first buddy cop one with them so yeah it's it's so funny because the flash is just this goofy jokey character and uh john stewart is you know, former mm-hmm. uh, Marine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, much less patient than, you know, Hal probably would have been. Sure. But they're, they're buddies still. Yeah. So 
And I think John Stewart as a character too is just a much more trustworthy and reliable character yeah. than any of the other Green Lanterns. That's why it works so well in what I'm mm. reading right now, the Rebirth stuff, to have him in charge because he is just rock solid well, and steady it, and capable in a way that Hal or Kyle or Guy certainly not mm-hmm. guy are. It plays a lot in other stories. Like in their Secret Society episode, which is a two-parter, John Stewart's the main one who's pushing the team to start training and really start trying to work with each other in a complementary fashion. And it becomes kind of this big story and that's kind of what Guerrilla Grodd's Secret Society like takes advantage of, that they're mm-hmm. not really working as a team in the same way. And that's kind of uh, like, and John Stewart's the initiator of that because he has that training and yeah. he knows, uh, you know, you have to watch the person in front of you's back so that they, the next person behind you will watch your back. Yeah. So yeah, they, they never really forget that. Um, even later on, one of the characters is like, have you seen his sock drawer? Mm-hmm. Just, he's, he's very, uh, like you said, orderly mm-hmm. in a lot of things, so. The impact yeah. of that show, I think, uh, it really left its mark in the comics and, and as as movies and things would develop afterwards. Because I remember uh, when they announced uh, the, the Green Lantern movie, ultimately with Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, there was a lot of confusion about, like, who is I, this? And I knew the difference is not between Lantern, the you know? different Green Lanterns. And I was still, like, arguing with people. I'm like, it's, I don't care about Hal. I grew yeah. up watching Jon Stewart. Why not? Just, this is how most people know green lantern at this point it's yeah it's it's kind of like uh you know people who a lot of people who saw the first x-men movie were probably only familiar with the x-men cartoon growing up right you know it's i think sometimes they just like they forget that like i don't know yeah this is it comes from comics but a lot of people know it from other stuff yeah well i think especially i mean what year did that come out do you remember that green lantern movie 2011 2011. Okay, no. so this is not that far removed from the DC animated universe. And that, mm, that was what, no, 2004, yeah. I mean, really, right? To, yeah, but I mean, Justice League Unlimited went until 2006, 2007. Yeah. So, and, I mean, they yeah. didn't stop rerunning, and the DVDs were a big no. deal. So, I mean... But there also wasn't really anything in between. They did the Green Lantern first flight, but, you know, yeah, those those did so, so well. Right, but. right. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was a weird move at the time to not capitalize on on the, yeah. the success of the character, uh, especially mm. like the majority of people who grew up on that show were prime mm. prime targets for going to that movie. And I just kind of wonder had they actually used uh, the John Stewart character, which they'd spent you know a decade. I feel like up. John Stewart in the Justice League cartoon was in more episodes than even Superman or Batman. Oh, I think so. Uh, because with the first couple of seasons, like Batman's like a reserve member yeah. and they kind of shied away from using Superman because they didn't want to have to electrocute him and knock him out of the right. fight. Yeah. So a lot of times it seemed like John was there and the others weren't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and he had a whole thing with like him yeah. and hot girl Shiera, you know, were yeah. kind of paired. Together. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the whole like running plot thread through season yeah. two and then it doesn't go anywhere um, during the other ones. So I think they were just, I think they had been doing Batman for so long and they had yeah. been doing a couple, like 50 episodes of Superman. They were ready to play around with new characters. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Jon Stewart benefited from that kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. Would you say that he's your favorite Green Lantern? Uh, I mean, in, in the comics, I tend to really like Guy Gardner. Okay. Uh, because of his attitude and everything. But I think... Do you, do you remember that Guy Gardner like series where he stopped being a green lantern it was just called guy gardner no and he it was weird 
No. Okay. But yeah, in the comics, I, I probably lean towards more Guy Gardner's attitude and everything. Okay. Um, but I think they made him a Red Lantern and kind of did other yeah. stuff with him, and I stopped being interested. Mm-hmm. But I remember... It See, was, it's during funny to Jeff- me because I've never been a big Guy Gardner fan, but while uh, he yeah. was a Red Lantern, sort of uh, working, working that angle was the mm-hmm. most I've ever been interested in him. Well, during and he, Jeff Johns... He pairs so well, sorry. He pairs so well with Jon Stewart in the Green Lantern Corps title. Well, that's what I was going to say. When so Jeff well. Johns was writing Green Lantern, other people were writing the Green Lantern Corps series, and Jon Stewart and uh, and uh, Guy Gardner were yeah. like the the showrunners of that yeah. series. So uh, it was it was... I think that was the first time I even saw Jon Stewart in the comics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was uh, nice. I remember when Jeff Johns was writing, um, when he was starting his Teen Titans reboot in, in the two th- early 2000s, okay, yeah. John Stewart was there. And I remember John Stewart making the joke about like this, and everybody's having problems with the t- new Teen Titans. And John Stewart's like, this is why there's no kid Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> there's a squirrel Green Lantern. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, man. But you, no you, kids. You talk about the whole hot girl Green Lantern romance thing. That was that was steamy hot stuff on that cartoon. I remember. They yeah, didn't shy away from the no, kissing no. or the. Uh, it's so. funny when you look at the when you look at the history of the character from you know 1971 to present. Mm-hmm. It's like he has this long running history of being mm-hmm. the stabilizing force in the Green Lantern Corps, and a lot mm-hmm. of the times. He is used to come and like back clean up when Hal screws everything up. It's like get yeah. John Stewart in here. We need somebody reliable and yeah. strong and capable. And it's not yeah, that's Hal. Right. It's, it's John Stewart. So yeah. um, that happens over and over again. And that's that's really like how the character came to prominence too. When Englehart, uh, you know, put him in while Hal was out. But even even now, in the current run of comics as we record, it's the same kind of thing. Like Hal is mm-hmm. just everybody's like, no, you can't you can't be in charge of this thing. We need somebody that we can depend on. And that's John Stewart. So I think he's uh-huh. used really well in that in that run. Uh, if I were going to recommend good John Stewart stories to read in the comics, I mean, it's always going to come back to that Englehart run. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a really good use of the character. That starts in issue one eighty two, and unfortunately, that is spottily collected. It's mm-hmm. some of it is, some of it's on the app, and some of it I just had to track down single issues. But it was worth it. I really loved it. Um, so that's really good. Green Lantern core title that is going on during the Jeff Johns era. I want to say that's, yeah. that's Peter Tomasi who's writing a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's right, yeah. That's really good. That's really good John yeah. Stewart stuff. And I ended up, like, a lot of times, I would end up really enjoying the Green Lantern Corps book more than the Hal Jordan book Agreed. at the time. Agreed. Just because it was just so much bigger and interesting. So. And I guess I would add to that, too. I mean, I haven't read Green Lantern Mosaic, but that is that's like the John Stewart book right. um, that is only single issues. But mm-hmm. I would also add to that the current Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps book because um, even though Hal, in a lot of ways, is the protagonist and the title character, mm. it's all about the, the the political landscape in that book. And that's all resting on the shoulders of, of Jon Stewart, who is the leader mm-hmm. of the whole Corps, um, trying to trying to forge an alliance with the Yellow Corps and all that. It's very heavy with, with Jon Stewart's skill as... Mm-hmm as a leader and right. uh, it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting story yeah. there but and of course if you want to watch a good uh uh john stewart story what what episode would you point people to uh yeah i mean you could watch in blackest night which is the one i was talking about which is kind of the john stewart first focused episode 
but also uh, from season two, there's Hearts and Mind, which is the show introducing the Green Lantern Corps okay. and dealing with Despero. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also Starcrossed, which is the big Thanagar versus Earth storyline. He, he was kind of, a lot of the main Justice Leaguers were pulled back during Unlimited so they could focus on new characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, ep- the episode Kid Stuff, where a couple of the Justice Leaguers are turned into kids. I remember that one. As him, and it's funny because yeah. he turns his... Uh, he gives himself eyeglasses with his ring, and you talking about Hal always doing stuff. When he's when John's a kid in that episode, he's like, maybe I'll make a giant robot. Maybe I'll make a a laser cannon, and just going through all this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and also the uh, the once in future thing, uh, where they're time traveling, uh, is pretty fun. So, now yeah, I, Batman Beyond's in one of those. And I haven't seen yet the uh, Superman Red Sun film that was written by another guest of the show, J.M. DeMatteis, but mm. Phil Lamar does reprise his role as Jon Stewart in that movie. So okay. I'll have to, I have yeah. to check that out. We, we need to watch that and, and report back. I've been wanting to Red see Sun, that yeah. one. Well, uh, keep in mind, in, in the coming weeks, we're going to have our special Off the Books episode featuring the review of Green Lantern First Flights. It's going to come out in conjunction with the DC Comics Green Lantern 80th Anniversary Special, 80th. which is coming to a uh, comic retailer near you, if that's still a thing. <laughs> One way or another, I'd like to read this uh, Green Lantern 80th, and I'm going to go and track down this uh, John Stewart uh, Green Lantern mosaic run because it makes me crazy that I haven't read yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to have to go to eBay. I, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to. All right. <laughs> uh, as far as library news, you can keep an eye out for this as, as more and more information becomes available. But right now we're working towards a date of June 29th where we're going to mm-hmm. begin curbside service. So the plan right now is, and, and remember fans how things change so quickly but the plan right now is that, that we'll have set pickup times throughout Why, the day, what else is happening uh, down out of the auditorium entrance so yeah. you can park right in the auditorium entrance drop your books in the book return we'll have a table set up at the door you can pick up your holds and head out you can you can place these holds in starcat by giving us a call by sending us an email to wellsville at stls.org if you have specific titles great if you want us to just grab a batch of new mysteries we can do that too uh, so all of that, all of that information, instructions on that are going to be coming out in the coming weeks. But June 29th is the date that we and the majority yeah. of libraries in STLS are going to be starting this, and yeah, we'll because summer reading is see how it goes upon us. Summer reading is going to start a little bit later this year, July 6th, right. Uh, right. and run until I want to say August 15th. So we're looking at mm-hmm. some different options for that, but yeah, uh, it's going to be going to be interesting. I still got yeah. my summer reading program T-shirt, so <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're rocking that, but I've got uh, my library's rock poster on my in the my door here. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. My office. I know. Yep. Good times. So, all right, that's going to do it for episode one fifty one. Go out and read some John Stewart comics. Two fifty one. Oh, yeah. You're, you're right. older than you think, man. I guess so. Yeah. All right. So long, everybody. All right, that was a good dry run. I'm going to hit record and. Oh no! Oh, come on. <laughs>